Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, the show where we do a deep dive into an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. And to continue my streak of continuation week, I guess is what I'll call it. So the, the last week on the show, you heard Heath was back and we finally got around to doing volume six of Sin City, something we said we'd have wrapped up a long time ago. And now today, continuing on our Tintin series is the man himself, the man, the myth, everybody's favorite Kiwi, Blake Biles. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hi, Tony. Uh, good to be back. And and I, it's very important to me as I was reading this this time, and I've read this one before, but you know, it's right. just, your brain just doesn't. You know how it is. You 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 feel things, and we know about Hairhay's love and obsession with Al Capone, and he shows up, and obviously the first one or whatever. So we knew that going in. Um, but I was like, oh, man, I'm super glad that this is a series Blake and I are doing together because Blake, as I mentioned, is a New Zealander. And of all of the, um, I think, of all of the English-speaking colonies, you guys have kind of um, fought back the most. You know what I mean? Like, in all the English-speaking British colonies that were, you know, that, like, we think of, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, obviously the States – there's just something about New Zealand that held on to their indigenousness way better than the rest of us did. Um, mm-hmm. And I could be mm-hmm. wrong. And that's just could be my wish fulfillment. And it's just what I see on TV. But I was like, there is really a conversation about indigenous folks here. And I was, just, I figured that would have to come up as we were having the conversation. So I was really glad once again, just that you and I are doing the Tintin books. Cause I do think there's a lot of value there, but also that in general. So I assume that came up on your read as well. You're like, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, that's interesting. I didn't have it as so much of a self-reflection, but yeah, I think um, I think your take's quite correct. But uh, the same, on the same hand, there's still like a lot of Britishness in New Zealand as well. Mm. So we held on to a lot of Britishness, but also um, there's that indigeneity, and even more so in in recent years. You know, um, it's it's really going strong with ideas of like co-governance and and, and even like when that. you watch the World Cup, they're like showing things. In the other like la- in other languages, right there, I thought yeah, that was yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, they're they're changing like road signs to be like bilingual and things like that. And um, but 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 in that thing where it's both British and both Indigenous Maori, uh, there is these kind of uh still conflicts and gray areas, and that's where I'm interested in these kind of gray areas. And uh, so we might have a conversation about that today. Um, yeah, it's really interesting with with Tintin in America. This was actually I'm glad we finally got here. This was probably the first and the, probably the first Tintin comic I read the most. Like initially, uh, I, I, it was the one I got out from the library. I was really interested in kind of American culture and gangsters and that as a kid, you know, that kind of that whole culture. Um, yeah, like with Al Capone and that. Um, I, I went on eventually to other ones and other ones became my favorite. I particularly like um, the kind of moon series ones, which we'll come to later. But um, Tintin in America was uh, a big favorite for me to start off with. So I'm glad we finally got here. Uh, I hadn't, re- as I've said before, I hadn't read the first two, the ones that we've already done yeah. before this until I didn't read them until I was an adult, just they weren't available, you know, pre- for me, pre-internet. Um, so it's interesting that we've done that path the Soviets, the Congo, and as we said in the past, Urge was really keen to go to take Tintin to America to begin with, but he had to kind of 
follow what his higher ups were saying. They they wanted to go show communism in a bad like they wanted to show push for Belgians to go to the colony of the Congo. Um and by the end of Congo, he inserts Capone in there to just kind of really force the issue. I know that we are going to <laughs> this go to is America. What's happening. And you know, he gets popular enough and okay, fine, now we're going to America. And um yeah, I think for a young fella who was keen, so keen on American culture, he was really under pressure by his editors to do these things a certain way. I think it was really cool for him to just muscle in there and say, right, here's where we're going. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's, that is, there's clearly a love letter there too. And this isn't something that that is new. It wasn't new to Hay. It's still a thing that happens today. There's this um this love of like the american gangster right and 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 it's what's interesting i think is that hairhead threads a bunch of needles in this he's got all the needles and he's like because he does the colonialism and the and the horrible racism and the way he even draws the native americans and of course they say indians in this because that was the word used at the time and and you know there are still people who still use that Word. There was a time while I was growing up in a super offensive way when people would say, oh, Indian, blah, blah, blah. And people would say, oh, Indian with a feather or Indian with a dot. Oh, Isn't that okay. horrific? Right. How does that yeah, how fine, does that make fine. you feel bad? It makes me feel bad. <laughs> um, yeah. But that was just a phrase that people threw around. And so they say Indians in this book, of course, um, because that is the that is the phrase that was used. Um, but it is there's some of my favorite scenes happen during the during that part and we'll we'll get to, yeah. we'll get to it obviously but yeah, the, yeah this this fascination with gangster culture so and i know you know people say and i don't agree but people say the greatest films ever are the two are the first two godfather films perfect films and people love those movies and you know, goodfellas and all of the you know scorsese and the palma and you name the guy you name the old italian guy making a movie about gangsters those are it's going to be a big hit um you know, what do you, what's your relationship? And I think I just want to start there because like you said, you were fascinated a little bit too. And there was this fascination with, with Al Capone and this doesn't necessarily paint him in the best of light. You know, it's not like this isn't the um, gangsters are cool story. This is gangsters are bad guys and Tintin is here to take them down, which is I think contradictory of where we are in modern. Like when I say modern, I'm like my whole life. So from like the seventies on, and it's probably since these old old Italian men are making movies about their about what they know, you know, and their families and stereotypes or whatever, kind of making gangsters look cool. So what was your feeling like when you wanted to know about Al Capone where you were like, Al Capone's cool, gangsters are cool? Or was it like, ooh, they're bad guys? You know, like what was your relationship mm, to them? Mm. Yeah, no, they were bad guys. I think it was like it's really interesting because, like I say, I read this a lot when I was a kid, but I haven't read it since. And the rereading, um, I saw a lot with a lot more kind of nuance. Obviously, when I was a kid, like I got this general threat, you know, like that it was um, it's quite noirish, you know, like people can't be trusted. And I've I've mentioned in one of our previous um, uh, Tintin episodes that in the Tintin comics, you can always tell a bad guy because they have this hard-nosed face, you know, the the hat, the furrowed brow. Yeah. Um and yeah, I don't think that he's um glamorizing gangsters at all. In fact, it is that threat that I saw as a kid, but I think 
uh, interestingly, the gangster vibe is more than the gangsters themselves. It's actually like there's quite a big critique on capitalism here, mm. and 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 the the American culture. Uh, like I think from this from the I guess if I were to step into the shoes of uh, a European back then, I think that this shows America as hustle bustle expansionist. You oh know, man. Um, very capitalist you know the um and and um corrupt you know money is king and it corrupts and it's and it goes beyond the gangsters so i no i I think he was really interested in gangsters but not necessarily like in a romantic way it was just a good a perfect foil for um tintin because it's a fast madcap adventure and moves along like there's threats around every corner um and if if I was to take anything away from Tintin America as a child, it was that seemingly America loves trapdoors. <laughs> they do. There are a because ton of trapdoors. That's a great point. It's a it's a great <laughs> device, isn't it? Just uh, if you need to get um onto the next onto the next page, just chuck a trapdoor in there. That's amazing. There's a young adult writer called Scott Westerfeld. Um, who has said out loud? We saw him. We took the kids years ago to do like he was doing some presentation at a library and. And uh, that the book series that he was promoting, the Leviathan series, that's el- illustrated. It's not like a comic book, but there's illustrated pages. And so there's lots of um, uh, Darren jumping off of stuff. And um, and he's like, you'll notice Darren jumps off a lot of stuff. And it's because I was stuck and I didn't know what to do with her. And um, that's just what happens because he's like, if you go back through all my books, when Tally, I don't know what to do with Tally, I have her fall off of something. And in Midnighters, when I need something happened, I had Jonathan jump off a building. He's like, when I'm stuck, I just have somebody fall and then I got to catch him. And so it was like so funny, like to think that that is such an amazing writing device. It's like, oh, I got to get off this page. Well, if we drop him in a hole and I imagine because these were stripped, that would have been a yeah. good place to stop. And then he'd have exactly. a week to figure out what he was going to do. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Per- perfect. Um, out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah. When I was when I was a kid, I yeah, I was kind of interested in the gangster stuff, though. Yeah, like yeah, you'd get the Al Capone, you'd get that kind of caricature that you'd get in the was it the Home Alone movie? The what the movie he watches in Home Alone that he plays. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Scare sure. off the bandits and or the mask and you know um, Dick Tracy and all you know all those kind of yeah caricatures. And then as I was getting a bit of a, 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 like into my teens, watching like. Yeah, the Godfather and um, Untouchables and and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was the because I guess I hadn't seen uh, the Soviet land of the Soviets of Congo. I didn't know about the kind of fast paceness of that. But like, because I I mostly grew up with Asterix, like as I've said before. Yeah. And this this in comparison is like very quick. It's it's a lot quicker and there's a lot more action happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. Asterix satire is much more it's a slow game. They're they're really yeah. making yeah. you work for it. Where Tintin, there's a ton of satire. There's a lot of commentary in here, but it is also doing a second thing where Asterix, well kids could read it. I I I as somebody who only experienced it as adult can't understand what other than you know the one guy the big strong guy but i just don't know what kids would have thought was funny about asterix or interesting where tintin they're like i get it mm-hmm. snowy's awesome and tintin's you know you could be tintin and he's full of adventure and he's around the world and and he's a good avatar for you um yeah yeah because he's 
it's still set in a time. It's still of a time. This takes place in 1931, but there's still a car. There's still things that you and your brain could, could wrap your mind around. Whereas an asterisk, it's like a totally different experience completely. And I think it's brilliant, but I, I just, that's, that's funny yeah. to me that, you know, and that is part of the pacing. I'm sure it's like, I got to keep the kids. Yeah. I think they're both, they're both rooted in adventure and travel. Um, Tintin is more, leans into the slapstick oh yeah uh whereas like asterisk still has a bit of slapstick but it more leans into the wordplay and i think that was cool as a kid like who read a lot it asterisk offered quite a lot of re-readability because as mm. you got older you, you had more points of reference so you got more jokes that you didn't get before you know no that's a good point it's like watching well just like you said just even what reading this as an adult or like uh bugs bunny cartoons were that way like there's a very specific there's a specific conversation that's happening, not just even in Bugs Bunny, but like Tex Avery cartoons, like specific old Tex Avery that are like the generic ones that aren't about a specific character, but they're just like this funny thing. There is a thing that kids can look and somebody gets hit by something and there's a truck and it's funny. But then when you go back, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't, he's a genius. And that is something that no wonder my yeah. parents didn't hate this show because he was doing something for them too yeah. so yeah and, and, and like yeah, that's even point. if i even if i hadn't read the um the the first two and reading this as an adult i i would have got the kind of message as kind of anti-capitalist or wary of kind of vast expansionism message but it's really interesting having read soviets and congo to think like how he was kind of pushed into this these spaces for these messages and you kind of think oh like you know the kind of looking at the Bolsheviks and that type of thing. But then equally going on this side, he's, he's kind of dunking on capitalism as well. So it's really interesting that he kind of places himself like in this kind of uh, no man's land, you know, in a more critical space, which I think is, is good considering some of the ropey stuff we've seen in the first two. Right. And, and this is, and he was on record of saying, and we've talked about it, right. He didn't want to necessarily do those, but he did It's the job. We all have yeah. done the thing at work. We didn't want to do. You've had to say the thing or tell the person to do whatever. And you're like, well, I disagree, but my boss says, um, and it is that you can totally feel like this is the birth of the Tintin that people really think of when they think of Tintin and like the people who've only experienced Tintin through the Spielberg movie, they, mm-hmm. they see him here. I mean, their Thompson twins aren't in here and whatever, but like you like, Oh, I get who this guy is. I get how this yep. guy ends up being friends with that guy, you know, yep. like why he and the pilot are friends, you know, the captain are friends and all that stuff like that all makes sense. You understand it. Cause you get who he is here. So yeah, it is, oh, a, yeah. It, it is an interesting thing. And so Tintin, Tintin's whole thing here in this one is to come to America and fight crime right? That's his whole thing. Yeah. He's going to, yeah. boy reporter is going to come and, and kill the mob. And the best part is, is they're worried. Like right from the beginning, the stakes are set. Tintin's coming to America. Yeah. Tintin's coming to America. See, and we're going to stop him boys. And so uh, you say like, right. I mean, page one, the guy who's waiting to get Tintin off the L he's got the look, like you said, the shorthand yeah, is yeah. there. And, and there's like, not only are there trap doors, but there's lots of windows that do stuff. And it's crazy bananas. And so the whole story is Tintin trying to capture the bad guys while they're trying to capture Tintin. And he, this one, instead of being called Tintin in America, it have been called Tintin and the massive head wounds. He gets <laughs> bonked so many times in the head on this one. Um, yeah. 
And so that's it. And so it really does set up that whole, you know, gangsters are bad, but you're right. There is this westward expansion conversation that we'll have when he lands with the Native Americans. And um, so this was your first experience of Chicago. Have you ever been to Chicago? No, after after reading Tintin America, like I always wanted to go, like it really set it up as this kind of interesting place yeah yeah where full you of trap doors walk, and bad yeah, where you can walk guns. into a taxi yeah. we can walk into a taxi that just happens to have these shutter doors that like <laughs> locked down or you walk you walk straight out of the hospital and there's a trap door you know right where you were standing you know yeah. it's really I, cra- I cracked up this time like so yeah so he's in that taxi with the shutters yeah. they drive 10 miles out of town just by pure chance he, the the taxi gets a flat tire so the driver stops. He jumps into a onto a motorbike. They take a motorbike. They stop. The police stop the taxi, like at a complete again, a completely another random place. And so we we must be at least fifteen miles out of town right now, in the just in the countryside. But there just so happens to be a flat capped gangster with a boomerang behind a tree right a there. Boomerang, with, amazing. With thro- in throwing distance, it's like. For me, it's like there's a gangster behind every tree, you know. And there is, and there's, and the police are idiots. And there is, there's. This is that wish fulfillment for kids is that only. Mm. And this is something that is still lives in young adult literature today, right? There's the dystopian young adult literature. It's always like no one can save the world but this teenager, and you're like, yeah. wow, the adults are super, super incompetent. And those are fun. And that's fun. And sometimes it gets exhausting because it's a little too much. But you can see the roots of it here. Like, here, hey, invented that trope of, like, kids save the world, right? This And, and the police are bad. They, adult, they don't know what they're doing. They're easily fooled. And um, there's this comment on complacency, right? Like, the police. Because yeah. there's good police here, but they're still idiots. And there's, you know, police who are on the take. And they're they're bad, and the only person who's true and good is Tintin, um, and yet he continually trusts people. Like he continually yeah, yeah. finds himself in a weird place. What did you make of that? Like, like you said, not only is there a gangster behind every corner, and they throw boomerangs because that's what we do in Chicago. I don't know if you know that they, but like, what did you make of Tintin's um, unbridled optimism that the next person he talks to isn't going to try to kill him? <laughs> well, yeah. So he, he he escapes from them, doesn't he? And he after maybe the third kidnapping attempt, right? And he has it happens to have a saw in his bag to cut himself out of the car. Oh yeah, I love I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like just, he he's like lucky I happened to pack the right thing. Like who yeah. travels around the world with a saw? And equally, when the taxi driver slash gangster was changing the tire, did he not hear a saw cut into <laughs> metal? Yeah, apparently not. Anyway. Must have been a soft top. It wasn't a it wasn't a hard top car. <laughs> So, so he he escaped. He escapes the kidnapping. He taps the police on the shoulder because at the very start he actually manages to subdue Al Capone and another gangster. Escapes, taps the cop on the shoulder, beat cop, tells him that he's captured Al Capone, and the police just thinks, "Oh, you're a nutter," and knocks him out. So yeah, there's that kind of like incompetency. Yeah. Then he wakes up again, taps the cop on the shoulder. The cop chases him down the street, and there's this whole like Keystone Cops like. Benny Buster Hill, Keaton yeah, kind of, kind of thing, which again, like, links to the real slapstick stuff that he 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 develops later on, which I think is, and it's also like a nod to you know uh, that kind of uh, American film that would have been happening. At yeah, the yeah, one hundred percent, yeah, which is quite cool. Um, 
but yeah, it's interesting the thing you say about him trusting, um, but like the adults being incompetent because it makes me think of the other stuff I was reading as a kid, you know, like mm. the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, all those things, you know, where the kids have to like step up because they will be the ones that get things done. And so I think that's one of the big appeals of Tintin. 100%. Um, but he, and he is, but he is, that's, the, it is such a huge appeal. And you love him for that. You're like, yeah, he can do it. He's going to do all this stuff. But it's like, and of course, without Snowy, he's fucked. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's also yeah. that man's best friend thing, which is again a trope, you know, like Lassie and Rin Tin Tin, which again was people in America always think Tin Tin is the dog because of the Rin Tin Tin show, which we've discussed. But like, there is that whole idea of a dog as man's best friend. And the dog is, you know, that's who all you need is a boy and his dog, and they can solve all the world's problems. And it's yeah. such, it's such a fantasy, but there's also still that message. It's like, you got to keep trying, don't give up, like, keep hoping that yeah. this person's going to help keep hoping this is this reporter is going to be the one this boss this fake this cop is going to be a real cop and you just keep hoping and i love that idea of hope at no point does tintin say like snowy everybody sucks let's move to siberia yeah yeah exactly as as tenacity uh the tenacity is like the expression of that hope and so yeah to go back to what you're saying about always like kind of trusting but equally he still does have a nose and so does snowy a nose for well this feels a little bit dodgy and it's interesting because we already know it's dodgy because we've seen the faces of the people who he's trusting and they have the bad guy face right, even yeah. though they are supposed to be police or you know um, bad guy good, goodies yeah, yeah goodies yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, and again their incompetence it's like oh we did this oh it's the wrong gas that's the one that's gonna just knock him out and as soon as he's in the cold water he's gonna wake right up and you're just like even the bad guys every time they try to do something it's very you know batman 66 has lifted yeah. a lot from tintin in america i mean a lot you reckon? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I see that uh, yeah for sure yeah uh it's it's a riot and it's it's one of those things that Again, his tenacity, that's the word. He is tenacious. And it is such a, and again, he he gets keeps getting hit on the head and keeps getting up and he rubs dirt on it. But I do think that's such an amazing message to like say to kids, like, like okay, maybe don't trust everybody like Tintin and maybe don't travel the world alone with just your terrier, but don't give up, keep trying hard, know what's right, trust yourself. Like you said, he and Snowy both have a sense for, uh, what is dangerous and what isn't even though they make bad judgment calls they they trust their gut and they they like there's the one scene earlier where where he climbs out onto a window ledge and it's oh. like yeah i mean you know so maybe that's not great maybe that's not a good choice tintin but he has confidence in himself that he's going to be okay at no point does he say i wonder if i can do it he's like of course i can do this of course i can yeah. this is how i'm going to stop everybody and i don't know i just kind of love that he's such a good hero you know it's like uh um, very Goonies, right? Very Mikey. Yeah. You know, yeah. is a Goonies never say die. You can just see the DNA all, yeah. like everybody lifting from Tintin, right? Yeah, he could have been a Goonie. I could have seen him as a Goonie for sure. Yeah, that that um, that um panel where he is going from window ledge to window ledge is a really good piece. Like, I yeah. think it may be one of the most sophisticated panels he's done chron you know, chronologically. Um, he's done. Yeah, because really, he gives like... you the sweat. Like, he doesn't say he's worried, but you see the Tintin sweating. 
Like he's yeah. he's trying yeah. to do what's right, but it is. It's a it's the the per, the shot itself is really good. The, the, the framing the on the page, the, the perspective, yeah, yeah. As it's like just plunging to see these floors. It's like on the thirty seventh floor. You don't see the street, and I I read that um in the original black and white from the thirties, he uh he he'd drawn like little blobs of cars down on the streets, but in the color remake, he just was like, you don't need that. You know, he he cleaned it up. And you just see the the face of the building, and it's it's really effective. I actually then, think yeah, it's more so. I think it's more yeah. it's more treacherous that way. Yeah, for sure. And then um, you you mentioned him getting thrown into the water. That three panels yeah, yeah. of them throwing him into the the inky black water with the splash and the street light. That's really really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and the way the really water cinematic. splashes up. Yeah, it's so smart. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy yeah. to it, think. I was just having this conversation with somebody about art about you know this kind of stuff this kind of art and it being high quality art and you know i've always said like at some point in time someone will walk into a museum of modern art and jim lee there'll be some jim lee up there as there should be but i also think like you know jim lee would say well there should be some hair hay up there you know what i mean because it's like look at what he's doing here this is it's such an amazing storytelling. There's hardly any words on those three panels right give him a swing one two three let's go that's him taken care of and any kid, even if a kid doesn't read, can't read those words, that is such an excellent because you you see it, yeah. you know exactly it's what's action. happening, it, and it's yeah, yeah, it's it is. It's, it's filmic as it's filmic as well. It's you, yeah, those three panels you get the all of the motion and and what's involved and the threat is there, you know. Yeah, it's so good, and then of course, then you wouldn't know. If you couldn't read, you wouldn't know that it was the Z4 sleeping gas. Cold water will waken him up, waken him up, which I love that translation. Um, you know what's interesting is that you mentioned reviewing Sin City. I kind of see Frank Miller in those three panels as well. Oh, you know, because yeah. there's so much black, there's like not a lot of detail in those three panels, but it's where you put the detail is really important. Yeah, because we're we just did the booze broads and bullets the the short stories and there's one that's in there that is uh called silent night that is uh marv there's only like six words in the whole comic oh my god it is so good and yeah he knew how to like you you think about how big marv is but marv is all negative space yeah you know right. like marv's always white and so he's not actually drawn marv he's drawn that's the space right. around marv and yeah, yeah that is true like you don't see tintin go in here but you see you see him being thrown, but then the way that the big splash of the water, you see how high up it goes and you still see the line, the line of it going down and the line going up at the same time. Yeah, it is. And so, so when he drew that, it, cause that was in black and white, like we're looking at the colored version, but in the black and white, he drew, he didn't draw the water. He drew the space yeah. around. That is an insane talent. That's interesting. That's really yeah. Interesting. That, you know, cause you're just, he's, out, he's really come along. Yeah. Yeah. And how old was he here? He was still only in his 20s, right? At this stage of the game. That's right. That's right. You know what? Going on, it's really funny because one of the things we're saying about uh, Tintin trusting people is like equally people trust him like he is a massive is massive celebrity like he 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 knocks out he thinks he, he's waiting behind the corner to knock out a, a crook but a cop comes past and he knocks out the cop he gets locked up in, 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 in jail for a little bit for a right. spell and when when someone higher up sees him, they're like, "Oh, sorry, Tintin," and just like releases him. It's like, no, that's true. But he, but he still assaulted a police officer. He did. You know what I mean? He absolutely but, did. But, and, but equally, it's like he's given the he's given the crooks the slip, and so he sets up this fake 
um, what is it like oil or booze is getting transported in these barrels on the back of a truck, and he's doing it as bait out in the countryside for yeah. the gangsters with the great kind of ambush, the walrus mustache. Yeah, awesome mustache. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like a precursor to Thompson. To the Thompsons, I know. I was like, oh, yeah. I wonder if he was like, that's a funny look. I'm going to use that for sure. Yeah. Anyway, ambush, gangster ambush comes out, and then but then out of the six barrels pop six police officers, and it's kind of like. It's funny, it's cool, like a nice <laughs> surprise. But equally, can you imagine just like as this young boy with his dog walk up to the police and the police station and say, Hey, I don't know if you know me, but I'm a bit of a big deal in Belgium. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big I deal. Want, <laughs> I want six of your officers to hide in these barrels and we're going to drive like 10 miles out of town just to we, we, we hope to hope we get, uh, to get an ambush by gangsters. It's crazy. It's crazy. But they do it and they even call him Mr. Tintin. The police officers do, which I find fascinating. I love that. Yeah. And so then this is when the big chase happens. This is when we get to the dodgy part, which is also maybe the most brilliant, but also the part that makes me the most uncomfortable is Mm -hmm. Bobby Smiles gets away. What a name. Bobby Smiles. He looks great. Very snidely whiplash. And uh, and there's even a train and off they go. Into the American West to contend in Snowy Dew, because, again, there's no U.S. Marshal Service, apparently, to chase people across state lines. So off we go with Tintin. I'm kind of a big deal in Belgium. I love that. I feel like that's a shirt you should have made up. It's just a picture of Tintin. It just says, I'm kind of a big deal in Belgium. I think people would buy that. That would be amazing. That way you could finance the boys' university with that. Just be like, yeah, I'm just selling these so. Tintin shirts. People would love that. So anyway, off they go to the disgustingly named, but a conversation we have to have, Redskin City. So in America, up until three years ago, the uh, uh, American football team in the nation's capital of my country was called the Washington Redskins. Never, ever sat well with me. Always hated that. Never understood it. Um, And I would say to my father when he was alive and we would argue about it as an Italian person, and I would say, um, okay, Ciro, You'd be fine if they were if we changed the Chicago Bears, your favorite team, from the Chicago Bears to the Chicago Greasy Wops. How would you feel about that? He did not love that. He did not think that was funny. Um, and I was like, you know, sharp, my mother's Irish. What if we call them the drunken mix? The Chicago, the drunken mix to Chicago. There's plenty of drunken mix running around Chicago. How would you feel about that? He couldn't get it. He's like, well, the fighting Irish in Notre Dame. I'm like, okay, they're the fighting Irish. They're not the drunken Irish. They're the Notre Dame fighting Irish. The Boston Celtics aren't, you know, they look cool. They're, it's not It's not offensive. And I couldn't get him there. Um, it always bothered me. So it's only been three years in my country, so since 2020, that the, and that the team has, has not been called that. Um, so I wanted to preface all of that before we talk about the word and then we get into what happened and some of the most brilliant pieces of social commentary and satire and your comment on capitalism happens in the next 15 pages of this comic. Brilliant. You know, he's still doing the nine panels. He is adjusting the size of the panel sometimes, which I mm, still, that's right. you know, I still think that's that's really good. Or no, he's doing 12. He's still doing 12 panel pages. So, but it's, and again, that's just kind of the layout because you have to think it was like a daily strip. But, you know, sometimes he does like a two panel shot and sometimes like the, the middle panel will be smaller or whatever. So that's the, the version that I'm saying. But anyway, all of that to say, that word, Redskins, what is, how did you feel about that? I'm assuming in New Zealand, they have equivalent words for your indigenous folks, that is mm, equally mm. offensive. Not that I'm going to uh, make you yeah. here, but I'm just curious. That was the part I was like, 
I wanted to talk to you about that word in particular and what you what you knew of it and how you could relate to it. Yeah, I knew about it. We um obviously we had the we saw the team and we had some candy, chewing kind of candy that was named that. Um, I did Google Redskin City because I was like, yeah. was this actually like a place or is he just made it up because i mean both are bad but one is probably worse than the other yeah yeah <laughs> um it's interesting the thing you say about changing the team name because there's also a team called the patriots isn't there there and is like, yeah, yeah. It, inadvertently that's also kind of offensive but mostly because i think about the types of people who call themselves patriots i know <laughs> agreed <laughs> but that's yeah. a, that's a story for another day no i'm um, with you though all the way yeah, <laughs> yeah. um i think that I believe that he toned it down in the coloring, I think. Uh, so they enter Redskin City, and I think when they come to the um, the Native American sitting there, Snowy is like, oh, a real Redskin. And yeah. uh, Tintin has, has his camera out, a bit like like it's like some kind of sideshow or something. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really like... Uh, well, let, let's, start, let's start from... Yeah. Let's go kind of like chronologically through this because yeah. i think we might have a lot to talk about so in the black and white one the uh, native americans originally begging uh, oh. in front of the, the building and and so so some people might say oh well, that's offensive to show that but then equally i think one of the really interesting things that Hergé does here <clears throat> is i feel like while he might have some missteps i'm going to get it out now i think i actually think he does some really interesting things um to show uh the yeah the 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 negative impact of western culture 100 percent on the landscape yeah um and um and so while he maybe he thought i'll revert this person to not be begging because i i want to show them in a more like noble light keeping the begging thing actually shows like some real so like a reality for like a lot of people because of the impact of colonization, you know? Yeah, um, I do. But one of the, one of the things I do like is the expression on the guy's face. Yeah, so he's pissed. Blanket. Yeah. He's looking at him like, what are you, the fuck are you doing? Get out of my face, <laughs> man. I know. I'm yeah. a person. Don't, what do... <laughs> I'm yeah. not one of those cigar store ones. Like, you know, in America, they have this, they call them yeah. the cigar store that's Indian. Right. And that's, that's he's right. real. This is a person. He's not a wooden sculpture. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's and then there's the line where Snowy talks to the dogs and he says, "Redskin dogs, okay." So I'm a pale face. Haven't you Redskins <sighs> seen one before? Ooh. Yeah. Snowy, yeah. come that, on. That that reeks of the Congo, doesn't it? It that does. Thing where, um, their attitude that because uh, I mean that that's kind of what we were alluding to before, where um, Tintin is this like child like he's the neo he's the savior right it's one thing to like it's one thing to just have like a savior story it's another thing to have like a white savior story (laughs) that's exactly right yeah no (laughs) it's true and so and so it's like throughout the throughout the story it's kind of everyone's kind of shown to be incompetent like we've been saying the gangsters the police it takes this one guy but then when you take it into these, and we're going to probably see this a lot because he travels around the world, it's this weird thing, especially because Snow is the sassy one, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he he actually, he's an actually an interesting device, one that's expanded on with the introduction of Captain Haddock, because as an adult, as a human, 
Paddock can do more things that Snowy can't. And actually, sadly, in some ways, Snowy recedes into the background more non-verbal as, as Haddock is introduced because they play the same role. They're kind of like Tintin's more shadow side. They do the more greasy things or um, dubious things that we can't have Tintin do because he's this like white man. Right, because Tintin, Tintin can't be a high-functioning alcoholic like Captain Haddock. Yeah, yeah. Right, and they, they sometimes play that for off. laughs. They're like, oof, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. that funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, That's I mean, a great point, though, that to... he's his shadow self. I love that. I love that idea. Yeah. Oh, that's but, but in this in this comment here about the redskin dogs and his haughty demeanor, you know, the way he holds his head up high yeah. and his eyes are kind of closed, that's not Tintin's shadow side, unfortunately. That was actually present in Tintin. At least it was in Tintin. That was in his immature side, and hopefully, you know, as we read through, maybe he, he, he develops a bit from that, because he does show a bit uh, more humility in this one, as opposed to uh, the Congo, at least. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like he learned. I, I, I That's an excellent point, because that's what I feel. I feel like there is definitely some stuff I don't like. There's some phrasing that I don't like. And you're also, they don't want to be like, excuse me, be like it's of a time. It is. Tintin is also a big deal in Belgium, as we know, but he's not familiar necessarily. So he's still learning the tropes of like, he's dealing with American stereotypes. It's all he knows. There is no internet. There's no TV. He only knows what he reads in books and TV and on, in the papers and stuff. So, and here's on the radio, you know, there's radio programs at the time. So this is what he knows of this stuff. So him saying Redskins and taking the picture and Snowy saying that stuff, it is also a commentary on what you know. But we also see him learning because as we get through this story and when the biggest, funniest thing that happens in here, the most biting joke that happens, Tintin says something. Tintin does the thing, the good thing, and says, this isn't mine. And, and you know, and we'll get there in a second. But like, that is the growth. We've seen him grow. And so... It's not like he's aging in real time like Judge Dredd, but he's still aging and he's 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 learned something. And I found that amazing. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think that's something we've commented on in the previous episodes where yeah, Uge was like really a bit embarrassed by those early ones. And he kind of swore to do better with his research because he didn't he wasn't actually like a big he traveler. didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he, but he studied a lot on source material, like books and things like that. Great. And um, uh, people have praised his depiction of um, like the clothing and like the teepees and stuff like that for, for being for that particular area. He does, this, and he's done that for other, uh, other countries and cultures he, he visits. Um, but like you say, it's a, it's a, it's a commentary on, the, the media that we have because it's like great he did his research but the research is limited right like imagine if he were able to get stories and information from directly from the indigenous cultures that he was writing about rather than an external perspective how much more rich not just physical um like stuff that he could put like represent graphically but narratively as well you know the philosophical yeah. way he tells us stories would have been could have been really uh, elevated. Yeah, I agree, but I do think it isn't pretty impressive. And again, and that's the thing. So, so when they go through the rollicking good time, right? He he gets kicked by a horse. He chases smiling 
the smiling guy. What's his name? Smiling Bill. Bobby Smiles. Bobby Smiles. Bobby Smiles. Sorry, he's chasing Bobby Smiles. He's doing all this stuff. He has a problem with the horse. There's all kinds of wackiness and shoes. And then we run into you know Native Americans, and and because he's smiling and he's an adult white man, there's this commentary that all he has to do is tell these Native American people whatever. He wants to tell them and they're going to believe him. And he they do. And so it's really uncomfortable. But I think it's also a fascinating commentary on this white guy they've never seen before shows up out of nowhere, talks to these people, smooth talks them, sells them the car and says, there's this kid coming behind me. He's bad. And they immediately buy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that is the beginning of the brilliance of the scene. This this whole section is super uncomfortable, but also just so amazing. And I think once we leave this, it then it just becomes back a normal, you know, falling down, bonked at the head story, which is fine. But to me, this is the meat of the story. So no, I think you're, I think you're right. Hundred yeah. percent. It's a really interesting kind of. I, I would say it's like an interlude, but it's actually yeah. really the most interesting part of the story. And it's the cover of the collected edition. Yeah, for a right. reason it's not capone on the cover it's tintin that's being right. tied that's up right. here because obviously the people who compiled that were like this is the story this is the social commentary the other stuff is good rollicking fun it's adventure and it's good and when he goes back to chicago and all that stuff is great but this is spectacular um that comment on like trust the white man is is there and and as you read it as a kid what, did you see it? I, I mean, I didn't read it. I've only read these things as adults. So, but mm-hmm. reading it this time, you know, being prepared, it's like, damn, it still took me off guard. I didn't remember how on the nose it was for the adults in the room, but how mm-hmm. subversive it was. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon as a kid, I just saw it as this guy's a baddie and he can slick talk his way through things. I wouldn't have seen it in a commentary where it's like, oh, look at these primitive people so easily fooled. It's like, you know, um, C-3PO being this golden god on Endor type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, I think I wouldn't necessarily even look at it as, and I'm not saying this is what necessarily what you're saying, but yeah. like, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like, oh, it's offensive because look at the way that these people are fooled. It could be seen like that, but equally... This guy could probably fool a lot of people, you know. Right. I mean? Oh, it's for like, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not necessarily like a cultural thing, um. But it's just like this is a, like, especially because like we're we're in the process of moving house, and so we're having to go through getting all these different utilities done, and so I'm having to deal with all these salespeople and insurance and selling, trying to sell stuff, and it's like so greasy. It feels so greasy, and I can I can hear the way that they're trying to like manipulate us you know, as yeah, callers. God, like, yeah. they, 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 they talk fast, they mumble, they're like, they're really agreeable and they were trying to get you to do the thing that they want you to do, but make it feel like it's your, <laughs> your decision. And I get, I've, I've been really, Ellie and I have been really frustrated because it's like, man, I feel like we've had to be really forceful with some people, but it's like, you can feel, you can see how they might sway, sway some people just by browbeating them or, or, or whatever. And so, in some ways, I I still have the same, a very similar perspective to when I read it as a kid. It was like, this guy is just greasy, and he is telling the people what they want to hear. And so, for their, all all intents and purposes, they are operating in their best interests. It's just that this guy is a prick. (laughs) No, I I agree. He totally is. No, he is. He is. And you can even see there's one panel where the the chief is saying 
Um, and I don't like the phraseology, but as for pale face with the eyes on the moon, he has warned us of a danger that hangs over our heads and soon upon the black feet may a great Manitou heap blessings upon him. And he's like very sincere and earnest. And in the corner, Bobby smiles is like smirking up at him. He's got his pipe clenched. Yeah. And it's like, so, so her, is is telling us, see, that's what I'm saying. I, and I did, I, I wasn't trying to get to the point of like these poor dumb people they are easily mm-hmm. fooled, but it's like the commentary that I feel like he's making is this is just what we think. Like the world thinks this is what these natives are like, is that all it makes is a slick talking white man. And of course he could fool anybody. And he does throughout the book fools people all the time. He fools white people. He fools native Americans. He's fooling everybody. That's his shtick. But this idea of like, a slick tongued devil can fool anybody kind of thing. And he's fooling these people. And it's, he is the representation of, I mean, he's literally coming from the East from Chicago. He's moving West. He is, he is, this is like this path of destruction that this white man is leading. That's right. That's That's how I'm reading it. Not because these people are poor and dumb or whatever, but because that's just what happens. And this is him saying, this is what happens and this is how they're treated. And then later when the big thing happens and there's more wackiness and eyes. And again, brilliant drawing in the dark, like eyes in a tunnel. That was such an amazing storytelling when Tintin gets lost in the tunnel. Yeah. Her is so good. I'm just so impressed every time that like his, 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 his storytelling, but Tintin eventually strikes oil and oh my God, that those two pages, I am shocked. They let him publish them because it is scathing. And this is when it ties back. So when you're reading it in real time, like you're saying, I've been there, man. When we bought this house, we were dicks to people. And then when we refinanced, we had to walk away from one refinance and go to a different company because they would not relent. We're like, we can yeah. just walk away. And they didn't think we yeah. would. And you're like, yeah. just just out of principle, even though just today, we're like, even if we've got to pay like a little bit more, just out of principle, we don't yeah. just want to do business with these people right yeah. exactly that's exactly right so i've been there i totally get it and i i hate the sale like i'm already here man don't upsell me you're gonna make money off yeah. me no matter what let's just be decent people anyway all of that to say we get to this point and i don't want to skip ahead but i'm like this is the beginning this is to me this is the moment when bobby comes in and he does all this and he is now this one person who's indicative of all these slimy white people and then Tintin strikes oil. And out of nowhere, all these speculators show up and they're throwing money at him left and right. And they're like, this here, we'll give you 5,000. I'll give you 10,000. I'll give you this. And then Tintin's like, this is that growth where he's like, this isn't mine. This is Native American land. You know, and he's been tied up and, and I mean, he's been treated poorly by these people, right? But Tintin, yeah. the white savior, as, as you say, <laughs> he comes through and says, no, 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 this isn't mine. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, now we're just going to give you, you know, $25. And it's like, it's going to be this. It's going to be this 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, $25 and half an hour to pack your bags to quit the territory. And like all in one page, like one panel, yeah, this yeah. happens. Then and the, then- the, next, the next five, um, <laughs> the next five was like an hour later, really, really powerful image of the army with fixed bayonets forcing, uh, the the Native Americans off the off the land with a crying child. Two hours later, there's a construction company with girders and timber. Three hours later, Cactus and Petroleum Bank Incorporated is getting bricked up, and there's already a doorman yeah. on the steps. The next morning, there's like a whole city up, and so uh, Tintin's still in his like Western outfit. 
but it's like this built-up metropolis with a traffic cop saying, hey, you, don't you know fancy dresses forbidden? What do you think, you're in the West? Get out of here, type of thing. Those two pages you could frame in your art museum that you're talking yeah. about, that story there is fucking good, man. It's so good, and that's what I'm saying. It ties back into what, that. that's where I'm saying this, Smiley Bob stuff earlier. On the first read-through, you're like, you can read it however you want, but when you get to this, he stuck fucking sticks the landing. It is yeah. it is clear then he isn't saying these poor indigenous people were easily fooled. They were taken advantage of by a person who treats them this way. And like, seriously, they were going to give Tintin, a boy with a talking dog, $100,000 for his oil. And then when they find out that it's not his, $25 yeah. and we're pointing. I mean, the hell yeah. and the bayonets, like you said, that is the most and it's framed. That's right in the center of the panel. Because they don't, it's 1931, you don't have bayonets on your guns anymore, but they still do to make the reference back to that. That is some amazing work. I mean, the fact that he wasn't there, that he could see through all the propaganda and the bullshit that he was reading, Herhe did, back there, and he he could drop that social commentary midway through, this is like page 29, it's right in the middle of the story. It is That's right. amazing. That's right. And to me... It goes downhill from there. Not that it's not fun after this, but it goes downhill from there because it's like that is a fucking mic drop. And of course, you can't well, end that. Yeah, way. exactly, exactly. That's such a slam dunk on on it all. It's, yeah, uh, hard to really compare. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's so good, and so that tell that thing, and again, so that whole story of this is what we do to indigenous people. Again, I don't know, and I'm not asking you to be the spokesperson for all of New Zealand, but you're the New Zealand person I'm talking to. You're the New Zealander that I get to speak to today. Mm-hmm. So is that, does that ring true? Is that how it was done there as well? Because that is pretty accurate to how it was done here. Um, kept pushing Native Americans west, kept pushing them west, kept pushing them west, we're going to take your land. But then you think, oh, we're putting you out in this dirt rock. You know, there's cacti and there's nothing. And then you're like, oh, shit, turns out there's something valuable here. We'll take that now, too. That's Wyoming. Like, Wyoming sucks, but they have oil. The Dakotas suck, but they have oil. But we just keep pushing and pushing. And they specifically mention Blackfoot, which is, you know, the Dakotas. So there's a very specific location here. And it's like if you've ever been to that part of the country, it is very desolate and nothing but there's oil. And so there's a shit ton of money there. Still to this day, we're still fighting about that land still to this day with there's this exile pipeline that they're trying to run through there and they have, and then it leaked and it's all awful. Everything's terrible. Um, So that is totally accurate and, and prescient. So is it, does that feel like this is what it was like? Is that how it was done there in New Zealand as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's all sorts of kind of extractivist kind of horrors that, that 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 came up. I mean, yeah, it's really poignant that one with the marching marching off the land and the expansion. Um, I was listen, listening to a podcast uh, called Alt Bays, uh, just recently, um, from my local area, and they were talking about there's a there's an interesting thing where they said that the Maori people were gardeners, you know, and they um in the early kind of settler times. They were not only could they grow enough for their own people, they grew a surplus and they would like take boats to the main hubs where you know Europeans oh. and stuff were and they could sell food and give food to, to, to more people. They were feeding more more people than themselves. Um 
<laughs> and then like the 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 European people just uh suck the ships and got rid of it all and like kind of shut all that down because it wasn't something that they could control. And so there's a really interesting because this was like in the, on the subject of food and food scarcity, you know, and 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 the precarity of housing and food and that today like it's something that still exists today. And um yeah, there's a lot of um about the treaty that was between the uh, British and the indigenous people, how like there was two translations uh, that didn't say the same thing, but equally the, the, the crown and the people who worked under the crown's kind of um, powers just disregarded the treaty anyway. So a lot of like land confiscation or dodgy dealings and things like that. So yeah, it really resonates and it's something that people are still fighting today. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I just, it's so good. It's such a good, important thing. And I just feel like once again, no matter how old you are, if you're reading this, you he's not, the politics are on full display. And I almost wonder like in the state where I live, which is bullshit, full of bullshittery, where um, my state, I don't know if I sent, shared this in the discord, but my governor, there, the, the, education department in florida has has now officially elementary school children this is a fact starting this year this fall in a because we go back to school early so like soon in a couple of weeks elementary school children will be taught that um slaves learned valuable skills fuck yeah. fuck you and then when people pushed back and were like fuck you they were like oh here's they had it ready they're like here's 16 names they had 16 here's 16 examples and over half of those people were either not enslaved at all or were freed by like age four. So yeah. I don't think yeah. you learned that valuable skill of the thing that you did when you were four, you know, yeah. because so fuck right off. So I just wonder like if, so, if anybody just, still read Tintin, if they would allow this in an elementary school around here. That's so interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, if it's, if they were four, then they probably didn't learn it then, but they learned it through systemic stuff. So it's really interesting because they really hate on talking about critical race theory, but isn't this just like, <laughs> <laughs> isn't this exactly the same thing, but just from their, their side of the coin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they can't see that, though, because they actually don't know what critical race. When you ask <laughs> somebody who's against critical race theory what it is, they don't know because they've actually never studied it. They're just repeating whatever DeSantis' talk parts are. Anyway, but this was so it really resonated with me. This whole section really was so. Yeah important and like you said those two panels could totally hang in a museum forever and ever and it is satire and commentary and empathy and because of the way he draws Tint the look on Tintin's face and like you said it's really important that he's still dressed the way that he's dressed because it's the next day yeah and the shock on his face and the way Snowy's kind of hiding behind him in that moment like you know in Snowy you don't see that like you mentioned Snowy's a little bit sassy and a little bit forward but in that mm. moment when they're standing there, Snowy looks scared. Like he's hiding a little bit behind Tintin, like his tail's up. He looks equally shocked as to what's happening. And it's just so mm. good. And I, I and it takes away and what it does to me. And this is where when you get to the end, you go back to the beginning when he first gets to Redskin City and you see what he was about. This was all a setup. And yeah, that's right. what a turn. And I just love it. So like you now. You forgive, I forgive everything that he did, all of the stuff that he did, all the pale face and you make them bullshit. 
was the setup for this. It was all it intentional. Was. Oh, so You're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, because he's kind of complicit in a way, and that's where part of the shock. Yeah, you see the expression in his face when when those prospectors are like, well, why didn't you say that before? You know, like, he's like, this isn't my place. It's, it's there. Yeah. It, 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 um, he says it, it's uh, the Blackfoot Indians who live in this part of the country, you know, and it's kind of like... And his hands are even out. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think what's, re- what's really important as well is that the fact that they've turned it around and it's a city by morning, like ridiculous. But one of the interesting things about it, and I don't know how conscious this was from Urge, but like, I think it's important because how powerful that, that, um, that block is there where the army are forcing them off the land. Um, equally, it's not always as explicit as that. Right, like the the expansion of Western culture and urbanization, and kind of commercialization, industrialization, that's a massive displacement factor as well. You know, um, I think uh, after the World Wars, New Zealand Maori went from eighty percent rural to eighty percent urban. Oh, like in the in the following decades, like one of the biggest movements of indigenous people, like in the world. And, you know, that's not just, yeah, again, of course there were sometimes the people were forcibly removed off land, but equally the the shift in the culture and the devaluing certain things and valuing other things meant that, um, you know, like things like industrialization and that is that people had to move because now this new context in which they lived, you needed to be here to find jobs, you know, so to avoid deprivation in a place where, before they could live in abundance, they had to move other places. And through that, there was like loss of culture and identity and things like that. So yeah, and I it goes a really, really interesting addition there. It is. And what it does, it ties right back to what you said, which I didn't know that the black and white version that Native American was begging. So that yeah. even lands it even more when you go, oh, fuck. And we loop back around. Like you said, this red skin city is just kind of like, a, it looks like a tourist attraction that you run into like, when we went to Hawaii, um, we didn't go to the luau, like the because we don't know we didn't know any native Hawaiians who were like, "Hey, we're having a luau at our house. You want to come over?" We'd been like, "Sure." I mean, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed that, you know, the whole pig thing, being a vegetarian and all, whatever. But sure, let's go. But there's like hotels and and places where it's very performative, and it is a job. Somebody's job is once a week to dance and spit fire and do all the bullshit for the you know for the white people who come to watch the luau. And I was just really uncomfortable with that. So we just didn't do it. And people were like, oh, you didn't go to a luau? We're like, nah, I don't want to watch people perform their indigenous culture. Like if they were my friend and said, let's come to a luau, that's a different thing. And it's the same thing here. And I think he's having that commentary on the Redskin City is this is a thing that happens in the American West. There There are performative Native American villages and cities that are that are there like a tourist attraction. So the fact that he had this person as a beggar outside of Redskin City, which you clearly see the shop owner is a white person where he gets his duds, you know, that's not that's not a Native American person who owns it. So it's called Redskin City, but the Redskin person who whom, you know, Tintin calls him and Snowy calls him is outside of the city having to beg next to a picture of his own name. It's just like such a it's so good. It's so smart. And so I, I'm kind of, I get why he took it away in the colorized version, but like you said, I think he does himself a disservice, but because out of context, yeah. your first time reading it, 
it doesn't stick the landing, but then if only we could go back. Now we've read it. Now we go back and see that other version. It, it's so much more powerful. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's a, it could be confused to be an indictment on the person, but actually that's, that's, or the, or the culture, but then that's from a Western perspective right. of this kind of Protestant work ethic where it's like, if you need to beg, like that's an indictment on you, you're lazy, you're not good enough, rather than it being actually a systemic commentary where it's like, this, this guy has been oppressed and displaced and, you know, it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a very kind of woke take from Hergé here, I think. And I, yeah. listen, and I'm, I'm here to say, like, I, I don't I'm disappointed in how that word is being used the wrong way too because I don't think being woke is a bad thing. I don't think being a feminist is a bad thing. I don't think being aware of systemic racism is a bad thing, of course. So it is very woke. It is and because that's what it means. Like woke her Tintin gets woke in these 20 mm-hmm. pages, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That the last panel of Tintin in that new manufactured city before he goes back to Chicago, and we'll we'll catch back up to him and figure out how it all ends up. He's fine, everybody, because there's Tintin Volume Four. We know he survives, but um, it is this is like this one. In addition to Tintin and the massive head injuries, it could be Tintin gets woke. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I'm here for it, and it goes back to what you were saying about his growth, Jorge's growth, but Tintin's growth from the Congo issues it's like he's commenting he's commenting on that in this so good that's right oh oh and i know we i know we spent way too much time on that but it's so good so anyway that's what happens and then it's brilliant so then he has to go back to chicago there's some um indiana jones train jumping of course because um as we know steven spielberg openly admitted how much he loved tintin so of course we get some this is some fun action and there's definitely a lot of near misses and it and again it it it's fun and whatever but it feels so out of place after this big serious mic drop right now it's just kind of the silliness feels silly and it's like oh that's how he survived and oh we see th- then there's like a bunch of things that happen off panel like Tintin's fine he was actually over here and oh here's the switcheroo that you don't see and now he's up a tree for no reason and like those are all fun things but I don't know. I don't know if what that's, this is just me. So it's like, it just kind of rolls downhill after that, that really strong center. And that's again, just maybe me and my more, I'm an adult and I want to make things not fun. (laughs) Mm. No, I mean, maybe, maybe the, the downhill is made steeper through time Mm. because maybe back then it was just like, this is a shit thing that's happened amongst other shit things um in the event and the adventure goes on whereas it's magnified for us now because mm. like almost a hundred years later the the like oppression and stuff is still there and in some ways it's more acute you know that's because, a good point because because the people who are doing the oppressing are not they don't even have to hide it or deny it because nobody yeah, cares. Because, yeah. like you said, the anti-capitalist message is here, loud and clear. Stealing from the indigenous people, and then the gangsters are all very capitalist, and they buy people off, and everybody does something. The people who are doing nefar- like we don't see how Tintin makes any money. Like he's just an adventurous reporter. We know he's getting paid for this, but it's like he's doing it because he's very truth, justicey, you know, kind of thing. Like he's very altruistic, and so the money, the truth, is what is the reward for him. 
That's right. Where everybody else, we see the baddies are doing things for money and we see people being put upon. So there is this running commentary as well. And that's like you mentioned right off the top, the, the capitalism on full display here. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, that's a good point, though. You, you are right. It is. It's so much more um, painful because, right, nothing changes. But, but like maybe I hadn't really thought about it, but now that we're getting our yeah. analyst hats on, um, the um, kind of country bumpkin on the wagon who yeah. gets sideswiped by the train, maybe that's kind of indicative of a much simpler life. The guy. No, that's true. He's not really that ruffled by the fact that he's just been basically run over by a train. His wagon's been obliterated. He's left his horse, and he's just he's just on the on the engine. Um, and that's a nice little bit of um, uh, visual comedy where the train eventually gets blown up. Not the first time, but the second time it gets and then it gets blown up. Uh, Tintin's in the tree, and then it cuts straight to this country bumpkin again, who's like exactly the same position he was at the very start. Yeah. And it's kind of like a commentary on this fast, madcap world of the East coming out west. And yeah, very no, that's interesting. A, that's an excellent point. Yeah, and then and then like there's a, a weird uh, Mexican stereotype that happens, and again at that point, because I'm at this point in the book, I'm like I'm forgiving you. Like everything you're doing is intentional, right? And so, like you said, the bumpkin, he's you could read him as like he's making fun of him for being a hillbilly, but he's not the, the Mexican guy. The every character you see, I think from so this is good. So you're turning me around. Everything you see after this, plus the bad guy kicks Snowy later on. Don't kick a dog. Like you know, I'm already against for all the murder that you're committing. But when you kick a dog, we know that that nobody's going to like you. But um, and it is all very trains, right? The train, 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 and the train is the representative of the of westward expansion too. I mean, literally, you know, the only thing that he didn't do, and maybe because it wasn't fully aware yet, like we don't see like an opium den and like Chinese people being treated poorly but we know like they're just off screen if her if her hey knew about them we'd see we'd see an opium den too he just didn't know enough to to include that commentary as well like mm. how we you I mean, know, he, did he, that he didn't he didn't know about lynch mobs though that's another oh, spicy take yeah Woo. like uh <laughs> there's a couple of attempts where they try and just do mob justice and lynch tinton and snowy yeah um so that's a bit of a commentary there, I suppose, about mob justice and lynchings. You know, the yeah. I mean, he's not going to show the racial element to it, obviously, because it's happening to Tintin, but the racial element of like lynch mobs and stuff as well. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is. See, you turned me right around. I, you know, because you're right. Like once you see it now, I'm like, now I can just keep looking at it. You're right. If we, if I, I just because I think the way that the explosion. Like that was a little silly. And then the way they get out of the way of the train is a little silly. And there's, but it, but it is, you're giving us still, you still have to give us that. Like it still can't just be Tintin. It can't turn into like a Bernie Sanders lecture. It can be that, but it can't be that. You can't just have Bernie like, listen, yeah. you got to still have the fun and the silliness, but there can still be the message. Well, yeah, as soon as you see those kind of like fantastical things, like the train explosion, it, it whisks you back to the naive period right of mm -hmm. uh, soviets and but but i think that the stuff is still there i mean look at the sheriff who is there not even that fussed about the lynch mob they're no, out there not and at all. it's not it's not until he hears on the radio that the true criminal the true bank robber has been apprehended and has confessed to it he's like oh no they've got the wrong person i'm gonna go out there just after i've finished this he gets little, wasted what, what, first i know road. 
He he drinks all the whiskey. He goes out. He's he's too, <laughs> he's like stagger drunk, and he passes out underneath the sign that says Volstead Act, so, which I guess is probably like a real act. And it's, it says, "Whoever shall be found in a drunken state, blah blah blah, prison, blah blah, fine, fine, confiscated, utmost severity, signed by the sheriff." So that's another yeah. hot take there. He's showing this kind of corruption or this duality, this dichotomy between. Uh, one rule for you and another rule for the others. Right, and the idea of um, um, like justice as opposed to laws, like those aren't the same thing. No, that's right? right. And that's that's, right. that's a that's a cut between that and like like you said, mob justice, like and mob justice. Whenever you hear the word justice and mob, that it's not actual justice. It's always crazy. And of course, he escapes in the most Tintin way. Um, you know, they all just like turn into a big dog pile and he just sneaks away, which I find fun. And then he, you know, does a good job of knocking somebody else on head. And then again, because we're in a part of the of the world now where the world is literally on fire, they survive a fucking fire. That's it's right. unbelievable. And it's like funny, there's a turtle and a snake and a fox and a deer. It's like all these animals are just running. I'm like, wh- where do you think you are? Tintin? Like, where are all these things? There's Canadian geese. Like I, yeah. I need a sense of what part of the country you're in now, <laughs> but <laughs> it's fine. Um, because again, he's not there. Yeah, and um, and so then there's there's he there's because I mentioned the guy is kind of snidely whiplash earlier, and he literally ties Tintin to the train tracks. And again, That's another right. silly escape. And this is like he's saved by an old lady. Yeah, it's like the uh, it's like this kind of busybody, right? Yeah, yeah. This kind of um, do gooder. Yeah. Who who we're supposed to be like? Oh come on! But actually, she's she's the American Association of Animal Admirers, and so she's saying like all these animals. So she's Peta. This is an early version of Peta who saves Tintin's life. So yeah. Anyway, so wackiness ensues, and he ultimately makes his way back to the beginning, and he fights the mob again. He survives a rock. Um, isn't there a a uh? Yeah, right there. He's climbing a mountain. And they try to blow him up, but he survives again. Great snakes. He's got us. He triggered off a rock fall. We're done for this time, Snowy. But there just happened to be an amazing overhang. Like the Dusex, Ma- Tintin and the Dusex Machina. They just, he just keeps surviving. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, I was getting a bit bored of yeah. it. Like, like we've talked, we've talked about it in the previous episodes. It's just like, there's no real risk and that's, why in some parts, like going back to that horse chase before, um, before we uh, with the Native Americans, yeah, uh, uh, Tintin tries to like lasso Bobby Smiles, but obviously he's never done it before, and right. especially not on horseback, right, mid mid gallop, and so he actually trips up the horse and ends up tying himself up in a lasso, yeah, and I think that was really cool because it's like. Okay, he is infallible. He's not great at everything. Right. He did but, trip himself up, you know? But then he does survive. Yeah, and it is. It's like you forget your own um you forget your own continuity. Yeah, yeah. A little bit, but yeah. But anyway, so everybody and then Tintin dies, the end. Oh wait, no, that's not <laughs> It's but it's it's nice for him to kind of fall on his face every now and then. I know? appreciate that too, right? And again, that's part of that tenacity. I think it's important that he fails. And I think that's part of what what bugs me in this in this final section where he finally catches him and he ships him off in a box. Um, and I do like, though, he still gives him, like, some leaves to sit on in a pillow behind his head. He doesn't right. just, like, throw him in a box. But anyway, um, it is the tenacity or whatever. And again, maybe he's learning. But it's like, 
he does back into some things a lot. And it's, and it's, again, that's part of Indiana Jones too. And the commentary on Indiana Jones, he backs into things like he, he, he wins a lot by just accidentally doing stuff. And that's what happens, you know, here, like even in the third one, even in the perfect Indiana Jones, when Henry senior says, I find that sometimes you just need to sit down and think about it. And then he trips the thing and blah, blah, blah. That's a very Tintin thing. It's just like, I just need to sit down here. Just going to stand here. Cause I'm done for, Oh, there's this amazing rock overhang. Oh, I'm going to do this thing. I guess. Oh, look, that happened. They switched the train track, whatever. So there's, there's always that element of dumb luck. Yeah. Too. But it's also like, like they are, they are skilled enough. They're talented and uh, experienced uh, to a point, but equally they're willing to grab the bull by the horns when the moment comes, you know? True. No, that's true. Which is, which is nice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, fun, that, it's funny because after, after that, after he delivers Bobby Smiles in the crate and he returns to the city, then it's not the the prospectors anymore, like the oil barons, it's the media who wants to kind of get involved with them. So it's a very, very similar thing where they're bidding for him. I like all the different um, names. But one that stood out for me was uh, Paranoid Productions are starring you in the new billion-dollar movie Spectacular. Isn't that fun? Like, of course, that's what happens. That's and, exactly uh, how it is. I have a message for you, sir. Profit from our new religion. Join the brothers of Neo-Judeo-Buddho-Islamo-Americanism and earn the highest dividends in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good. And then, you know, he ends up literally being a knight in this one. And he gets whacked on the head by a sword. And then suddenly he's good. That's it's, That's, again, going back to like, He's not infallible. He gets knocked out. He gets knocked out. He gets knocked out. He gets knocked out. But he, again, as the Chumbawamba say, you get back up again. That's right. It's yeah. funny too because that sword, that was a nice, I was thinking about Asterix then because it was um the sword of Democles. Yeah, it was. was like, hanging about yeah. Yeah. and it drops down. So that was a nice little joke. And equally, I found it funny. Um, he's So Snowy's kidnapped, right? Right. And now so he's, he's got to save Snowy. He's trying to like track down the location that Snowy's been held. And so he's undercover as a newsboy. And he follows this gangster to this bar or this like establishment, let's yes. say. But on Speakeasy. the sign, yeah. On the sign that says the Moonshine Club, speakeasy, <laughs> bootleggers to the White House. It's like, come on, guys. You can be a bit more discreet than that. <laughs> That's amazing. He's, ha- he's having fun here. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and yeah. then and then and then he's like, good news, Senator Kid- kidnapped. June 20th, ransom $100,000. MRC Sword, general kidnapped. May 18th, ransom $100,000. Snowy Dog, kidnapped. June 25th, ransom $50,000. Like, Snowy is that yeah. important. Snowy's as important yeah. as these other characters. That also is like, this is how I'm a big deal in Belgium. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And so, obviously, they don't die. And then, once again, the super fun sign switcheroo. And how dumb people are! If only you knew how to how to read. Um, That's right. Yeah, and then the directors of Grind have the pleasure of inviting Mr. Tintit to plan their new visit. And um, Grind, I know what you're going to say. That's shocking. They want to turn him into meat. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting little um, section here. You see the cow just <laughs> dolefully looking at the <laughs> looking at the at us uh, at the reader. And out the back just comes uh, corned beef or sausages or cooking fat or whatever. It's completely automatic. Yeah. And then he takes them to this perfect little spot where there's just a handy little button. Boop. 
<laughs> where the, the the railing drops and Tintin and Snowy fall into the uh, grinder. But of course, they survive, and you don't see how. But it was due to the strikes, and that's interesting. Little no, that is true, right? Because nobody was working. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. right. They were on strike. Yeah, it is. So I, mean, I was wondering. I was wondering if that kind of element of it was going to come out. And yeah, so the union saved Tintin. The union saved Tintin. That's right. Writer's union. He's Yeah. No, it is. um, I do think it it would have probably been more fun to read this week by week or day by day, as opposed to read it the way that we did. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like when we plan for the next one, I may try to do that. I may try to like pace myself a little and see... If that changes, because it does get a little samey, and I get it, but it's like it if does, you're reading does, yeah. this over a year, and it's an, it's an ongoing story, and you have to remember months and months ago when the Native American thing happened, or when we don't know when each individual panel was published. Was there a break in them? Like the Native American story ends, and it's like meanwhile on Tintin, you, you know, like so. This is one of those things where comic strips, and I feel like this is also happening with comic books too. Um, you know, the, the idea of everything, you wait until the volume, wait until the volume. And I do that a lot too, just for, you know, financial reasons or whatever. But sometimes, well, these five books don't actually all go together. Or these six books don't all go together. And it's like, this is just out of place. We just need it because we do every six books and we jam them together. So it changes the way we tell stories where this is like, he just, when this finished, he finished and it wasn't like set out to be Tintin in America. It isn't, we're reading it not the way, because this was a strip. Right. So this is being published in newspapers. So people are just reading. So when this adventure ends and the next one begins, it's just the next day for people reading this. It's not like tune it. You got to wait six months by the next Tintin book. So I almost wonder, too, if part of my problem is once I hit that big, awesome peak, is that now that that now that we're on the back end of it, it just but again, if I'm if I'm trying to dissociate from it and realize, well, it must have been like that. Like you said, that scene with the cow is brilliant. And just, I'm so glad we're talking about it because it is turning me around. I felt a little bored. But then you're pointing out some amazing things. And 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 because I, I just read it in one sitting. I didn't pause. I read it cover to cover without getting up. Here it is. I'm done. I started. I finished. I had my thoughts. I wrote them down. You, you, we read them at different times with different stuff going on, different experiences that are happening in our lives. And that helps. So I just, I don't know if that is, if that's affecting my reading. I'll be interested to mm. hear what other people say if, if they read along. Yeah, I, I would love to hear how that goes for you if you do do it. Because I don't I, think yeah. I could, I, I don't think I could have the discipline to do that. But I'd, I'd be interested to hear how it went for you. Um, Just from like a comic book reader's perspective, would, because I, I wouldn't have ever read this type of thing in a strip. In strip form, do you think it would have been like one page per week? I don't know if it was a daily or if it was a weekly. Or or like, but ha- however it was delivered, would it have been one page or like a half a page? I think it would have been, I think it would have been six panels. Oh, right. Okay. So you've got a, like a half a, a page, half a, either half a page a day two, or half two a page hangers a per page. Yeah. 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 Because I do know, I do know that like when you kind of read, and I know they get edited afterwards, like, uh, for the colorized version and fr- in French, and then again later, like twenty. Yeah. In the I think it was I think it was colorized in the forties or fifties for French, and then in the seventies for English. And each time there are like iterative edits, but sure. it does it does it does feel like there's like a cliffhanger at the end, at least at the end of every page. Sure, and it could be it could be that way. That's my guess. Like that's you know like 
it, it, modern comic strips the way they are in America, that's usually between, you know, three and six panels per day. And then, you know, in Sundays, you can get nine. And it just kind of because the Sundays are the big color ones. It's like it's always black and white. And then there'll be the color ones. So, like, that's how like, Calvin and Hobbes is the way that it is. So, like, when you read a Calvin and Hobbes, it's an ongoing story. But, like, and it's the same thing when Rhea and I did that. It's just a different feeling because sometimes they're connected and sometimes they're not. And so you have to imagine, like, these longer connected stories where Calvin and Susie are doing something or Calvin and Hobbes are doing some longer adventure. That could have been months before you yeah. knew how that ended or at least yeah. a couple of weeks. So. Anyway, all right. Well, we are, we could talk and talk, but I am unfortunately on a hard out here in a minute. So let us get to the end of Tintin in America. Teddy Roosevelt does make an appearance, which I find fun um, there. And it's, he's not the president at the time, but he's definitely got the big walrusy mustache. You see, you see him from behind. So That's Tintin right, yeah. wins, Snowy wins. There's more trap doors, like a bunch of trap doors at the end. And of course he's saved by the fact that the, um, the strong man isn't really a strong man and he has wooden uh, wooden weights. And so he's buoyed. They try to once again, drown him. There's lots of drowning. There's lots of, there's lots of trap doors. So uh, Tintin in America, what's next? He goes to Egypt, right? Yes. Yeah, so the cigar of the Pharaoh is next. And actually at that dinner with yeah. Teddy Roosevelt and all the socialites, um, there's no mention, but it does feature uh, Rastopopoulos who is a villain who one of the Ooh. main villains and in, in, in the whole kind of yeah who shows up again later yeah yeah nice so this was a joy and again i'm sorry i always hate to rush at the end this is me i need to do better i need to do what spider dan does and set a timer so that when i know there's like this much time i gotta start wrapping myself up um blake i'm so glad we're doing this is your are your boys reading 1010 yet uh, they're interested in it. We've watched some of the animated series, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, they're and that's new Tintin Adventures. They're taking old Tintin. No, it's, it's, it's old school. Like from when I was a kid, I've put them on. And nice, he's, he's and they're kid. they're interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I'm glad to know because he is fascinating, and this is, you know, like you said, I do. I I just discovered him after we already had Captain Haddock and everything, and like you said, this is fun for me as we're going. You know, and I've. I don't remember the order you read things and there's definitely some stuff that is, is memorable or, you know, that I can remember and some that I don't, but yeah, the, the, the amount, I like the snowy being involved a little bit more and having a little more agency. I think that's definitely more of a man and his, a boy and his dog story than a boy who's got a drunk uncle that he's got to take care of. It's much more inspector, <laughs> like Captain Haddock is much more inspector gadget than this. Yeah, or Inspector Clouseau as well. Inspector Clouseau as well, yeah. With his bumbliness, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's good. Thank you for this. Again, sorry for the rush at the end, but... Um, no, you're right. It's amazing. At, at, listen, everybody, the next time you come to America, watch out for trapdoors. Um, but until then, until you come to America and watch out for trapdoors, what else are you up to, Blake? Tell the people. Oh, well, yeah, I recently um, was on our friend Jack's podcast, Back to the Filmography. We reviewed... The bank job, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. 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 Um, and you can find me, listen to the other episodes here if you haven't already. Yeah. Our, our Tintin episodes. Um, and I was uh, recently on Where I'm From with our friend uh, Allison. Allison. That was very good. And thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, I'll probably see me next on the VHS Strikes Back, I think. Looking to do Ooh. something with our friend Spider Dan as well. So. Nice. You're going to be on VHS Strikes Back to talk about which show? Uh, it depends on which one I come up with. If it's something oh. I've got a lot to say about, I'll appear on it. But otherwise, um, 
Yeah. yeah. Nice. I, my I like pick, to go on for the good stuff. Yeah. For sure. My pick is coming up soon. Um, I'm uh, office space. Oh, nice. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Good I one. was, I was in a bad place at work when I made that selection and Dave wrote me and is like, I can't believe I've never watched this before. I'm like, I know. Oh, really? He'd never oh, seen wow, it. Yeah. Yeah. No, so it was a blind spot. yeah. He said he was really enjoying it. So anyway, well that's, so you can go to my website, arfarina.com where I don't cut people off rudely in the middle of brilliant thoughts, but you know, time I'm bad with time. I apologize. It's the ADHD, Blake. We're bad with time. I'm there with you, mate. I know you are. I know that's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like time management. Like, I can get things done. I'm good at a deadline, but like in the moment of time, like I lose track of it all the all the time. I'm like, oh fuck, I can't. I honestly can't believe it's four. I was supposed to call Tanya a few minutes ago, so I texted her and said, I'm going to be a few minutes late. Um, she said no problem because she's a good human being. But it's like in my mind, we'd only been talking for ten minutes. It'd been ninety. Blake, <laughs> I'm sorry that I, I, but this was awesome. You're awesome. So I'm you, so glad Thank we're you. doing this. People, Tintin, it's more than, it's more than uh, meets the eye. It's like Transformers, but good. I look forward to Cigars of the Fair. I feel like we're working up a bit of momentum with this. So, yeah. We are. Yeah. We'll, and we'll, we'll, and I know you school starts back up for you soon. And so we'll, we'll make some plans around that um, and make sure, you know, I don't know. Would you have your schedule yet? Uh, not yet. I'll let you okay. know. Okay, so yeah, that'll be good. All right, my friend, safe travels. When do you guys move? We're in the process over the next month. Okay, yeah. so it'll, all right, well, that'll be fun. And then I, if I don't see you before then, you know, this yeah. way, it'll be in a cool new space. Although I love your little place where you podcast from. It looks cool. Yeah, yes, it's very awesome. Indeed. All right, yeah. you're the best. Talk to you later, my man. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Bye.
Make our bed and we'll say our grace Freedom's light burning warm Freedom's light burning warm Everywhere around the world They come into America Every time that flag's unfurled They come into America Got a dream to take them there They come into America Got a dream they come to share I see.